How do you handle evil? If you were uh, a God-fearing Christian in the 1940s, how would you pray for Adolf Hitler? Maybe more contemporary? Did you ever pray for Osama bin Laden after 2001? If so, what did you pray for? Or how about uh, leaders like Kim Jong-un in North Korea or Chinese President Xi? How would you ask or what would you like God to do to such rulers? Uh, amid his Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus instructs us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yet Nahum begun, begins his God-given oracle this way. This is the Lord, or the Lord is a jealous God, or jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is fierce in wrath. The Lord takes vengeance against his foes. He is furious with his enemies. And though it may be one of the, the least read books uh, in, in the Bible, Nahum uh, uh, encapsulates the popular version of the Old Testament God of wrath and judgment. Jonathan Edwards and his fellow uh, fire and brimstone Puritans uh, would have nothing on Nahum. And the, writing, the writings of Nahum are in fact so jarring, so seemingly dis, uh, discordant, even with uh, the Old Testament, uh, let alone the New Testament, that, that many uh, commentators throughout the years have tried to distance Nahum from the rest of Scripture uh, to the point of even considering him a false prophet. Uh, indeed, the, the book will force uh, the earnest reader to confront several weighty matters. How should we deal with evil and evil people? How do we pray for them? Should we desire, even rejoice at the destruction of wicked people? How wicked does one have to be before we wish divine judgment, if at all? How accountable are foreign or pagan nations uh, before God, even if they haven't received any special revelation from him? The brevity of this book should not fool us into treating it lightly. It will not let you. The book of Nahum consists of 47 verses divided over three chapters and can be read through in about 15 minutes. Uniquely for uh, all the language of judgment and destruction, there is no actual explicit condemnation of Judah. Rather, it is the foreign pagan nation of Assyria that is the object of God's righteous wrath. That said, though Nahum is directing his prophecy, or is, though his Nahum's prophecy is about, about Assyria, it is wrong to believe that it is written to Assyria. There's no indication that Nahum either uh, uh, himself or his oracle was ever delivered to or known by the Assyrians. The best one could argue uh, actually comes from a 16th century AD theory that attempted to place Nahum's uh, hometown of, of Elkosh in the proximity of Nahum, uh, or in the proximity of Nineveh. And this argument is not seriously considered today. Nahum is instead writing to encourage and comfort Judah, who have felt the might and terror of Assyria and exist as a vassal state. And so to understand Judah's plight uh, and properly weigh Nahum's word, we need to once again locate the prophet within his historical context. When we began the study of uh, Micah, we, we surveyed the life and times of Judah's kings from the nation split in, seven, or in 922 to the time of Micah during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah uh, around 750 to 687. Nahum's prophecy is dated after Micah. However, unlike Micah, Nahum's or or oracle 
is dated not based on Judah's kings, but rather on events found in Assyrian history referenced by Nahum. And so it's with the intention of better grounding Nahum's words in world history and to aid our understanding of the significance of Nahum's prophecy to the people of Judah, it's worthwhile surveying the history of Assyria and its interaction with God's chosen nation. The city of Asher has a history that extends beyond 2600 BC. Uh, it was founded along the Tigris River uh, in modern-day Iraq, uh, about 250 kilometers north-northwest of, of Baghdad, uh, about 100 kilometers south of Mosul, which is where the approximate location of the ancient city of Nineveh would lie. The city's name comes from its chief god, Asher, though over time it would collect uh, the temples uh, of a variety of gods, such as Ishtar, Adad, and Nebu. It's worth noting that, uh, that the, this is also the entomology of the country of Syria's name uh, today. As a further uh, side note, um, Asher is also one of the names of Noah's grandsons through Shem. So the city of Asher would, uh, would be the, the religious uh, and for the most part political capital for much of a serious 1400 years uh, uh, history as an empire. Assyria as an empire can be uh, divided into, or is divided into three stages by a historian, the old, middle, and new, or the new is also known as the late. The old empire um, saw Asher emerge as a wealthy city-state and a lucrative uh, trading town. The most notable ruler during this time was Shamshi Adad I. He was able to secure uh, uh, the land between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. And in order to uh, establish terror in a potential enemy, Shamshi Adad would place the severed heads of leaders around a conquered city. Uh, thus initiating Assyria's reputation for brutality and toward anyone who would resist. However, subsequent uh, Assyrian rulers would prove incapable of maintaining Adad's advances and the nascent empire was uh, defeated by Hammurabi and the Babylonians in 1750. This would be a pattern that will uh, repeat itself some, uh, about a millennium later. And so for about the next 400 years, uh, Assyria would, would subsist as either a vassal state to another power or a minor player in Mesopotamia. During the rise and decline of the old Assyrian Empire, Abraham would be traveling to Canaan. Joseph would, would rise as leader in Egypt, and Israel would spend 400 years there before Moses and Exodus, and Moses and the Exodus take place around 1440. This would assume a, a later, an earlier dating for the Exodus. The Middle Assyrian Empire uh, witnessed Assyria emerge and uh, drive out the Mitanni and Hittite forces in Mesopotamia. In so doing, uh, uh, historian Will Durant admits that we should, uh, we, should have, we should have to concede to Assyria the distinction of having established in Western, Western Asia a larger measure an, order, an area of order and prosperity than the region of the earth had ever seen, uh, had, ever, uh, had ever, to our knowledge, enjoyed before. Now, most relevant to our survey is the reign of Adad-Nirari I, as he's responsible for initiating Assyria's uh, deportation uh, policy. 
So having conquered a tribe or people group, Adad Nirari would deport or relocate survivors to a different region in, in the uh, Assyrian Empire. Now this de deportation strategy shouldn't be considered in the same category uh, as uh, Assyrian uh, cruelty. The, the brutal treatment was typically reserved for, for com combatants or chronic rebels, resistors. Deportation and re uh, relocation was used uh, on compliant general populations. They, uh, they recognized the value of their labor. And so their strategy for deportation uh, uh, had two purposes. First, it was by separating people, or people groups uh, and spreading them out throughout the land. You limited the, the possibility of nationalistic uprisings, people joining together um, and, and creating trouble within the empire's border. Secondly, uh, people were located to areas that would suit their skills and labor, and therefore they're able to support and benefit the expanding empire. Uh, another historian uh, notes that whenever deport or deportations are depicted in Assyrian imperial, imperial art, men, women, and children are shown traveling uh, in groups, often riding on vehicles or uh, animals, and never in bonds. And so there's no, and she continues on and says, there's no reason to doubt these depictions as Assyrian narrative art uh, does not otherwise shy away from the graphic display of extreme violence. So following this resurgence, the, the uh, entire Near East went into an extended period of decline and stagnation. The period from about 1200 to 900 BC is referred to as the Bronze Age Collapse. No nation could be said to, to dominate or be the controlling power uh, in the region. The Assyrian Empire itself decreased in size, uh, largely due this time to internal struggles and civil wars. And this allowed vassal territories to once again regain their independence. And this cut off uh, or limited access to key resources and trade that Assyria would need. Assyria's limited involvement along the Eastern Mediterranean and its subsequent decline meant that Israel um, had only to compete with, if you, if you will, uh, enemies of her own size. As the young nation at this time was beginning to take control of the promised land and struggled through the time of the judges. Likewise, as, as, uh, as Israel became a monarchy around the turn of the millennium, she was competing with the likes of, of the Philistines and Canaanite tribes and not world powers such as Egypt and Assyria. And this arrangement is hard to, uh, in this arrangement, it's, it's hard not to see as divine providence for God's chosen people as they establish themselves. Now, when Assyria does emerge in the pages of scripture, it is in the third phase, the new or the Assyrian, or the new or the or Neo-Assyrian Empire. And these 300 years can be seen in five stages. So first, coming out of the Bronze Age collapse, the first three kings began to consolidate power once again uh, within the Assyrian Empire. They moved to centralize uh, control over the homeland or along the Tigris and the capital city of Asher. Critical trade routes and access uh, were pursued. Uh, this allowed them to, to once again uh, gain access to key raw materials such as timber, mater metal, and horses that were needed for the expanding empire. With this foundation, 
The second stage saw the dramatic expansion of the uh, Assyrian Empire. Ashurbanipal II led multiple Western campaigns uh, into the va or collecting vassal or, uh, um, uh, establishing vassal states and collecting tribute all the way this time to the Mediterranean coastal city of Tyre, which is about not, or 60 kilometers northwest of the Sea of Galilee or about 170 kilometers north-northwest of Jerusalem. Think about the distance between Penhold and Edmonton. Lake Shamshi, uh, Lake Shamshi Adad, Ashurbanipal utilized the Assyrians' reputation for, for brutality uh, to help advance his empire. His uh, grotesque description of violence is recorded in a 9th century uh, BC inscription. It says, I filleted the skin from as many nobles as had rebelled against me and draped their skins over the pile of corpses. I cut off the heads of their fighters and built with them a tower before their city. I, built, or I burnt their adolescent boys and girls. I captured many troops alive. I cut some of their arms and hands. I cut off, their, their, or cut off of others their noses, ears, and extremities. I gouged out the eyes of many troops. I made one pile of living and, the, uh, and one of the heads. I hung their heads on trees around the city. His son, Shalmanzer III, continued to establish Assyrian control over the Levant. He made six uh, campaigns into the region. In 853, the Assyrian forces were met by a coalition force um, at, at Kwarkwar, which is um, towards the kind of the northwest or the, the, the northeast corner of the Mediterranean coast. Uh, part of that coalition was the army of Israelite King Ahab. And through an Assyrian description, uh, or though an Assyrian uh, inscription uh, recounts Shalamanzer's victory, heavy, heavy casualties seem to have temporary, temporarily slowed his incursion into uh, the south. However, about 13 years later, uh, another Assyrian carving depicts uh, Israelite King Jehu prostrate before the Assyrian ruler as Israel was forced to pay tribute. Upon Shalmanzer's death, Assyria's control waned uh, in the region for about 75 years. The small exception was the, the reign of Adad-Nirari III, who attacked uh, Aram, who, whose attack on Aram weakened Israel's northern neighbor. Um, and this provided the opening for Israel and then Judah as well to enjoy a period of prosperity that we looked at uh, during the time of Amos, during the first half of the 8th century. Now, Adad Nirari may actually be mentioned in Scripture. Uh, in 2 Kings 13.5, it says, The Lord provided deliverer for Israel, and they escaped from the power of Aram. So the Israelites uh, lived in their own homes as they had before, and this deliverer or savior uh, uh, would fit with what happened with Adad Nirari. This is at the, the beginning of the 8th century is also the time that we find Jonah being sent to Nineveh with a message not unlike uh, the message that we find in Nahum, uh, obviously much shorter and with a different result. So the arrival of Tiglath-Pileser III, um, or Pol as he is known in Scripture, brought changes to the battlefield that would 
carry Assyria to heights of power and influence later world powers. Tiglath-Pileser uh, began by decreeing and forming a professional standing army. To this point, armies were largely raised through conscription, requiring governors to send an allotment of men upon the king's request. Not only did this limit the, the, the ability to train an army or train the soldiers, but restricted war to a summertime activity um, or occupation so as not to interfere um, with winter or the critical harvest season. And so by creating a professional full-time army, Tiglath-Pileser commanded the largest, most well-trained fighting machine yet known at that time. Further, this full-time army meant war could be waged year-round, and this capacity changed war strategy, for now Assyrian, uh, could, uh, the Assyrian army could maintain sieges against the city for years, a practice they would use very effectively. In addition, Assyria was the first, one of the first armies to fully implement Iron Age technology into their weapons of war. Their iron spear, swords, composite bows, uh, siege war machines, all lasted longer, stayed sharper, and were stronger than their opponent's Bronze Age weaponry. And perhaps, and surprisingly, uh, one historian uh, mentions that the, the most significant creation of the Assyrian army was perhaps the development of the army boots. Um, instead of sandals, the knee-high, hard-soled um, uh, leather boots uh, that uh, would turn uh, Assyria into the first, or into the first true all-terrain, all-weather, all-year fighting force, unlike anything the ancient world had seen. So uh, under Tiglath-Pileser, uh, Assyria asserted its authority in the Levant, as Israel once again was forced to pay uh, tribute in 738. Judah as well would become a tribute-paying vassal state uh, shortly after when King Ahaz appealed to Tiglath-Pileser for help uh, in the Syrio-Ephraimite War around 734. Shalemanzer V followed his father's lead, and in response to Israel's rebellion, uh, he moved against the northern kingdom and in typical Assyrian war strategy, laid siege to uh, Samaria for three years before it fell in 722 to uh, his successor, Sargon II, and, and they end up, uh, the Assyrian army taking 27,000 uh, people captive. The accounts of uh, the Assyrian attack were doubtlessly carried to Judah by those who managed to escape death or deportation, uh, perhaps even by the likes of the prophet Hosea. Sargon's uh, successor, Sennacherib, though, would leave the largest scar on both the land and the memory of Judah. Hezekiah's reforms were not seen uh, merely as spiritual changes, but a move toward political independence. Uh, there's also some reason to believe that Judah was in conversation or conversing with Egypt or even Babylon. And, and so Sennacherib will deal, or de deals a devastating blow to Judah. And according to both biblical and archaeological record, the Assyrian army destroyed over 40 towns in Judah, including the city of Lachish, the second most important city in Judah. The Assyrian siege ramp can still be seen today, leading up to the mound on which Lachish once stood. 
So with the reputation of the Assyrian army and the recent examples of Samaria and Lachish fresh in the minds of Judah, the taunts of the Assyrian general as the army surrounds, uh, surrounded Jerusalem would not be heard as a bluff, but as a death threat. Even with the likes of Isaiah and Micah encouraging him to trust God, the internal turmoil within Hezekiah would be nearly unbearable. But even with the world's foremost fighting force uh, would be no match as God miraculously wipe, or would wipe out 185 Assyrian soldiers forcing the world power uh, at its height uh, of military strength to retreat back to Nineveh, which uh, Sennacherib had made his political capital. All this without Judah even having to raise a sword. However, though, uh, though Jerusalem was spared, it came at a heavy cost to many in Judah. Sennacherib would be killed and succeeded by his son, uh, Asher, or Asher Hayden. He and his son, Ashurbanibal II, um, would expand the Assyrian Empire to its territorial heights as it moved against Egypt, who had begun, begun to show some new boldness. And after capturing Memphis a couple times near the mouth of the, of the, at the mouth of the Nile Delta, uh, Ashurbanibal pursued the Egyptian army another 300 kilometers up the Nile River, subduing the city of Thebes uh, in 663. This conquest is found in Assyrian descriptions and forms one edge of the historical time frame of, of, of Nahum. In comparing uh, Syria's coming downfall, Nahum in, uh, Nahum in uh, chapter 3, verses 8 to 10 reads, Are you better than Thebes, situated on the Nile, with water around her? The river was her defense, the waters her wall. Cush and Egypt were her boundless strength. Put and Libya were among her allies. Yet she was taken captive and went into exile. Her infants were dashed to pieces at every street corner. Lots were cast for her nobles, and all the great men were put in chains. The fact that the fall of Thebes is actually wildly, widely known in Judah means that we can date Nahum's prophecy sometime after 663 BC. Though the defeat of Thebes would mark the, the largest extent of uh, Assyria, internally the empire was weakening. Ashurbanibal II's uh, death uh, in 627 would trigger uh, would trigger uh, sorry, there you go. would trigger a rapid, or rapid collapse of the world power. Four years of civil war uh, over, over uh, a successor drained resources and emboldened external enemies. Assyria soon found itself uh, facing serious threats on multiple fronts. Napopolazar the, uh, led, the, uh, or led the Babylonians from the south. Syaxeres uh, uh, advanced the, the Medes from the east, and the Scythians came down, from the, uh, came down from the north. In 614, the city of Asher, the religious, uh, the religious heart of Assyria, fell to the Medes, and two years later, the political capital of Nineveh, Nineveh would fall ironically after a three-month siege to the combined forces of the Babylonians and Medes. The last remnants of the once mighty empire uh, were wiped out in 610 as they fled west to the city of Haran, the same place where some 1,400 years earlier Abraham stayed and where God promised that all peoples on earth would be, would be blessed through you. 
And so this fall of Assyria, particularly the, the defeat of Nineveh in 612, forms the other edge of Nahum's historical time frame. The words of Nahum are, uh, were given, therefore, sometime between 663 and 612. And it's the events in, his, uh, in, uh, in Assyrian history that allow us to place the prophet Nahum and his prophecy in the life of Israel, but also to remind us that we are dealing with world history. Biblical history and, if you will, secular history or the history of the Bible and the history of the rest of the world do not exist in separate universes or as different stories, but are in fact one story and one history. So in conclusion, let me finish with, with a poem I came across in my research. Uh, it's titled, The Destruction of Sennacherib, and it was written uh, by Lord Byron in uh, 1850. He's an English poet. And it's about God's miraculous intervention uh, to save Jerusalem. It reads, The Assyrian came down like the wolf on the fold, and his cohorts were gleaming in purple and gold. And the sheen of their spears was like the stars of the, on the sea, when those blue waves rolled nightly on deep Galilee. Like the leaves of the forest when summer is green, that host with their banners at sunset were seen. Like the leaves on the forest when autumn hath blown, that host on the morrow lay withered and strown. For the angel of death spread his wings on the blast, and breathed in the face of the foe as he passed. And the eyes of the sleepers waxed deadly and chill, and their hearts but once heaved, forever grew still. And there laid the steed with his nostril all wide, and, though it, and through it there rolled not the breath of his pride. And the foam of his gasping lay white on the, tur on the turf, and cold as the spray on the rock-beating surf. And there lay the rider distorted and pale, with the dew on his brow and the rust on his mail. And the tents were all silent, the banners alone, the lances unlifted, the trumpets unblown, and the widows of Asher were are loud in their wail. The idols are broke in the temple of Baal, and the might of the Gentile, unsmote by the sword, hath melted like snow in the glance of the Lord. Nahum tells of the second glance of the Lord uh, that Assyria will experience. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we can once again continue to open uh, your word. Uh, Lord, uh, your scriptures, your prophecies uh, through your faithful messengers of Nahum, but also, Lord, uh, that we can uh, look into uh, the other book, the, the, the book of your history. Uh, Lord, we, we, we should not, we should caution ourselves about separating the scripture, the history that we find in scripture with the, word, with the history you find outside of it. It is but one story, Lord. It is you who are in control of all these elements, both the, uh, the movements of your nation, Israel, and all other nations around it. Lord, you are the God of all history. Uh, and Lord, I, I pray that, um, that we would be uh, comforted by that, even as we look at a, a book um, that will indeed be um, difficult to read uh, as your righteous judgment is poured out uh, upon, uh, upon the earth, upon history. Um, Lord, I, we, we thank you for your control. We thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.